Nikki Klosser here, and my guest on the Self-Value Podcast this week is Leanne Foster from Neurosource. Leanne discusses the connection between physiology and mental health, and she shares strategies for influencing and even changing your own genetics through lifestyle factors and the power of positive emotions. Leanne talks about the importance of optimizing your physiology for effective mental and emotional well-being, and she also explores the concept of manifestation and the role of thoughts in creating your reality. She also discusses the benefits of neurofeedback, brain stimulation, and flotation rest for healing and self-improvement. Leanne is a firm believer that you can take control of your health and healing journey, and this is such an inspiring conversation. Okay, let's get started with Leanne Foster. Hi, Leanne. Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast. How are you? Well, hello, Nikki. I'm doing well, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Where are you located? Where are we chatting from? We are, my husband and I have a practice in Cordova, Tennessee, which is a little bedroom community of Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Awesome. You were recommended um, by a colleague of mine, actually, to be on the podcast, Kelly Day. Yeah, she's awesome. And yeah, yeah. And so when uh, she, you know, shared who you were and your website, I started diving in and I was like, this is fascinating. This is like really interesting to me. So this is going to be great. We have a lot to cover. All right, Leanne, can you just tell people kind of Maybe I guess what your title is or your credentials are yeah. for sort of what you do. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit of a hodgepodge. So um, <laughs> I'm a, I have a master's in psychology, and I have a um, certification in epigenetic wellness coaching, where we look at the genome and all kinds of information and help people set up their the lifestyle that's going to help them meet their goals, their health and wellness Mm -hmm. goals. Um, I am a frequency-specific microcurrent provider. There's about 5,000 of us trained for that in in the world. And we help, we use very non-invasive frequencies that are, we program very specifically for each human being's needs. So nerve damage, uh, brain-related issues, nervous system, gut, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I am a licensed massage therapist, um, do craniosacral work, and mm-hmm. a neurotherapist. So with my husband, we do neurofeedback and brain stimulation. Um, yeah, so all those things so that we're wow. dealing with mind and body because you cannot separate the two. <laughs> right. Well, and that's so in- it's so interesting because it just seems like what you do truly is all-encompassing. hmm like you said, mind and body. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a living, breathing example of, you know, I met my mentor, Sue Bryce, and going through doing the self-value work, like I'm an example of how it can change your life. So I'm very open-minded about learning just different techniques. And a lot of what we do in self-value is so, you know, it's like rewriting our story. There's a lot of the, uh, like, changing the way we think Mm -hmm. and the way we feel and learning new kind of um, mental behaviors, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a lot of what you do also includes that physical part of the brain and the body. And, and so, gosh, like, I feel like when you combine those things together, it's really, really remarkable what you can change in your life. 
Yeah, absolutely. We've had decades of talk therapy and and it's beneficial, you know, in cognitive therapy mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. learn how the the thought patterns and habits that you have might not be serving you the best and so you learn ways to, you know, retrain those patterns and habits. And that's mm-hmm. effective, but what we found through all these years is that if your physiology is not optimized, if you're, you know, in fight or flight mode a lot, then you're going to have a hard time retraining your thinking because the physiology mm-hmm. always wins. That's yeah, okay. That's a really interesting concept. The physiology always wins. Can you kind of just expand on that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So let's let's take trauma, right? We're very, as a culture, very now more aware of trauma than we ever have been. And so yes. let's say you're a child and you've had, you know, neglect or abuse, or as a lot of our children now, they're having medical trauma. They have to have a lot of surgeries and procedures. That's traumatic too. So it sort of trains the body to be in a hyper-aware state mm-hmm. where physiologically the nervous system is set up to look for things that might hurt you or might go wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's more than just a thought pattern. It's literally that your reticular activating system and your brain and your limbic system are literally set to habitually look for what could hurt you. And part of the difficulty is they aren't just looking for it, they start to perceive it even where it is not. So it's kind of a self-protective physiological Mm -hmm. mechanism that's gone a little awry. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I was a, I have a master's in social work and Mm -hmm. I was a, you know, a therapist. I did in-home family therapy. I was a school social worker. And I found myself often getting frustrated, uh, almost like what I was doing. Was it helpful? Maybe. Sometimes I believe Yes. I just felt like there was more that needed to happen in conjunction with, like you were saying, talk therapy. You know, and and just as a a clinical social worker, you you know, I was limited to the things that I was doing. Obviously, there was way more out there that look at all the things that you've learned and that you've brought into it and everything, you know. But at the time, it just wasn't something I was going to pursue further. So it's, okay, so... In addition to, you know, the talk therapy, I really want to get into, or just, you know, the things that we do in general to try and rewrite our story in the mental way. I really want to hear more about the physical way because like on self-value, we always talk about, you can rewrite your story. You know, just because we experience certain things or certain trauma doesn't mean that's our story forever. Mm -hmm. And I heard you say something about genetics. Mm -hmm. And... I think we get into this space of I can't rewrite my story because of the things I experienced and I can't rewrite my story because of who I am genetically. Mm-hmm. For example, if you know my grandmother had cancer or my mother's diabetic, I'm predisposed to these things. But from some of the things I've heard you say and have read that you've said that maybe we can change those genetics and maybe we're not as predisposed as we think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. So, you know, one of the most 
famous people in this epigenetic realm is Bruce Lipton, who wrote The Biology of Belief. And for anybody listening, I think that audiobook is free on YouTube, and it is so worth a listen because you'll walk away from hearing that with incredible hope and empowerment. Okay, good. So our genes... We all need that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so our genes... Our genes are determinant in our health in less than 1% of conditions. So, for instance, if you have the genes for Down syndrome, you are going to express Down syndrome. But like the BRCA gene, you know, people became aware of that when Angelie Jolie opted for a mastectomy. And, you know, that's a personal decision that everybody needs to have the freedom and right to make. Sure, but the, sure. the facts are, if you have BRCA gene, that you're still at a 50% chance of potentially getting cancer, breast cancer. The most important piece, though, is your lifestyle. And this is Bruce Lipton's work. He was a cell biologist who early on realized your genes aren't determining what happens to you. It's these lifestyle factors. And the number one most important lifestyle factor is whether you live in a state of fear and lack, or if you live in a state of trust and abundance. So if we live in a state of trust and abundance, then all these beautiful genetic processes seem to Mm -hmm. unfold Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. our betterment, for self-healing. Because let's face it, no one heals another person. It does, that's not accurate. We we have self-healing mechanisms in our body. And that's why it's so important that we get good sleep because that's when our body goes into self-restoration and healing and repair, okay? So genetically, if I'm living in a state of lack and fear and anger, then unfortunately, the signaling that occurs is going to shut my genes down because I'm now in a con- contracted, constricted, fearful state where the message that every cell in my body is getting is save everything that you've got and dig in because you're you're in danger, right? That's not a Mm -hmm. flourishing environment. But if every Mm -hmm. cell in my body is getting the message, you're supported and you're nurtured and you have what you need, then everything opens up and begins to operate in a way that can lead us toward wellness and abundance. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, Leanne, this is so, this is just, I feel like this is what I needed to hear today. Mm -hmm. Number one. And number two, it makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. So if we think about manifesting, we can manifest in the positive, Mm -hmm. right? But it's like, we can also manifest in the negative. And this is sounding very similar to, yes, we can manifest our dreams. And I feel like there's a lot of thought happening, you know, whether we are writing down our dreams and our goals, or we are, you know, just thinking about them or visualizing. Is that all connected to what you're talking about? Or is this some totally separate physical I almost, it almost feels like you're manifesting physically in a positive way, yeah, or a negative way, depending on which you know where you're at, right. based on what you just described. Right, and so as a culture, we have been more kind of classically Greek oriented, where we've elevated the thinking brain above everything else. 
mm-hmm. the thinking mm-hmm. brain really isn't the strongest brain. All right. The the emotions which are more in the body, right? Our issues are in our tissues. <laughs> your emotion, uh-huh. your your habituated emotional patterns are actually what create manifestation more than your thinking. Okay. Um, and so this is why it's challenging when you have had childhood trauma to change that story. You've got to work with the body and the emotions to be able to change that story. So a lot of people, myself included, I had a lot of childhood trauma. And when you go into a cognitive training, like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, Mm -hmm. excuse my language, but your bullshit meter goes off when you try to start telling yourself you believe something that you don't really deeply believe. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that creates incoherence in the body because that deep physical, physiological part of you is like, no, that's that's just not right. And and little Mr. Thinking Brain, you can try to tell me that that's what I believe, but I'm calling bullcrap on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we've got to learn to work with the body. So in our practice, we use quantitative EEG neurofeedback. So we map the brain to see where is this brain not functioning optimally. So this is kind of like taking a movie of the brainwave activity, okay? So when we Mm -hmm. find where the brain isn't functioning optimally, we use neurofeedback to train it to function more optimally. So basically, we're going through the back door of the physiological habits and helping retrain those. So for instance, a lot of people have a lot of high beta, intense activity going on in their limbic or emotional system. And that makes it very difficult for them to relax, to rest, to digest their food, and to get into deep sleep where their body can heal, okay? So when we train that out and we train that nervous system and that brain to be more in a parasympathetic mode where you can rest and digest and easily come back to a place of being centered and calm after you've approached and dealt with a stressor or a task, right? Now that we've trained that system to be able to be variable, right? I can be in intense mode working towards something, dealing with a stressor, but I can come back to peace Mm -hmm. and calm and restoration Mm -hmm. quickly. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. Now, when... Okay. Now, when you're saying training, is that something that I'm in control of? Or this is something that the technology that you are using, you know, the neurofeedback, all the things you do, biofeedback, neurofeedback, and I'm not quite sure the difference of those two. So if I said that wrong. No, it's good. So that's what you're training for us. And then we're doing the the thought work. Yeah, beautiful question. So With the neurofeedback, the system, so here's what it looks like. Somebody is sitting in a comfortable lazy boy chair. They've got a 19 channel EEG cap on, okay? It is hooked to a computer that's reading their brainwave activity. They have chosen any movie that they want to watch and they're sitting comfortably and still in this chair watching a big screen movie, okay? When Mm -hmm. what's happening is the computer is reading their brainwave activity at the rate of 32 times a second. This is faster than you can think, okay? And what happens Mm -hmm. is it's comparing it to this optimized database of healthy brains, 
all right? So when your brain begins to improve its productivity in the areas that we're training it, the movie gets big and bright and loud. And when your brain's not improving, the movie gets dim and quiet and small, okay? As you're watching. As movie. you're watching. So you can see what, yes. what's happening. Yes, so okay. your brain wow. is getting feedback about when am I doing better, when am I not doing better? And the brain upregulates dopamine when it's getting reward. And dopamine is the neurochemical of learning. So over time... The brain learns new habits. And what we use this for is things like recovery from traumatic brain injury, recovery from stroke, autism, ADD, epilepsy. There's so many things that the brain can be retrained to function more properly and overcome these dysregulations, if that makes sense. Anxiety, depression, all kinds of things. They're dysregulations in the brain. How did they get Mm -hmm. dysregulated? We don't always know. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, something I heard you say before, and which is uh, along the same lines that I believe just from experience and um, quote unquote, my own loose research and just how I want to believe is that I am in control of my health, mm-hmm. regardless of the predispositions, like you yep. said. So I can, based on trapped emotion, trapped energy, I can either heal it and release it or I am going to get sick with a disease and that I can bring that on myself. And I don't, I know that's a very, uh, it can be a tricky subject for people to hear. Mm -hmm. This is something that Sue and I have talked about at length. I love the idea of being in control Mm -hmm. that I can release illness and disease from myself Mm -hmm. I, I like that. I like to be the one in control of that as opposed to, well, that's what your genes said. That's what your mom got. So you're going to get that too. Right. Like I would rather be in control. Yeah. Now, and, and it sounds like you are along the same Absolutely. lines of belief. Yeah. Okay. So so when your brain is kind of being retrained, you know, watching the movie and you're getting all the feedback and all of the things afterwards, how much, like what am I doing afterwards to make sure like that this training sticks or stays or question um yeah let me back up just a little bit we also use brain stimulation so if a brain is having a hard time learning it's got too much anxiety or what we're seeing now is a lot of slow wave low power in the brain brains are are slowing down and mm-hmm. we think it's environmental toxins, which blue light is a big toxin. See, you know? that's another yeah, thing, it's a big Leanne, deal. is so much environmental toxins so as well. So many. Yeah, yeah. And they're really affecting our kids. A lot of the kids we mm-hmm. see in here, their brains look like they have dementia. They're so slow and low power. Wow. So we oh, do use so stimulation, scary. but that's very safe, non-invasive, and again, guided by a real-time EEG. And that is more kind of gently nudging the brain into a place where we then know it will learn to get back there. You know, it's like if you've never experienced feeling really calm, how are you going to get to that place experientially? So with neurostimulation, we help people experience a state of being that then they have an easier time getting back to once they've experienced it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, what do you do... to to make sure that these changes with neurofeedback stick. 
Great question. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we really work with our clients on lifestyle because we can't bail out a boat if you're shooting holes in the bottom of it. So (laughs) we do need to have good nutrition. And what I mean by that is, is many things, not just food. But, you know, what is your light environment like? Are you getting sunshine? Are you getting your bare feet on the planet and getting that good electromagnetic nutrient that Mm, we need? Yes. You know, are you get? do you have healthy relationships where you're encouraged and nurtured instead of in stressful environments all the time? Um, Mm -hmm. What's your water like? Are you drinking good filtered water? You know, water's a big deal right now. And there's so many medications and toxins in the water. And then, of course, food, you know, we got to get the sugars out. They're so inflammatory. Um, and then with the genetic work that I do, everybody has different needs for a different type of diet. Some people mm-hmm. need a lot of protein. Some people don't. Some people are going to do well on high saturated fat. Some people are not at all. And so there is no one size fits all. It, it, it's all about uniqueness and knowing mm-hmm. yourself is so vital. And part of what we do in our practice is we we train people, you are the expert on you. You are your healer. I am not a healer. I, I'm a healer for myself. I am a mm-hmm. facilitator helping people learn how to tap into their body and their brain and how to feel it more intentionally and how to direct your own energy more intentionally so that we can get back to, you know, before modern medicine, we, you know, witches were actually healers <laughs> or burned yeah, at the yeah. stake mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Their, their power threatened the economic powers that be. Well, we need to right. get back to the place where we own our own power, our own intuition, our own ability mm-hmm. to self-heal. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. I, Yes. Absolutely. And you know, you said something no, that, that I really wanted to touch on because it can be tricky. Like we get kiddos in here with autism. And just because mm-hmm. we're saying that you have power over your healing, it doesn't mean we're saying it's your fault, what condition oh, you yeah, found yeah, yourself yes. in. And I yes. really want people to Absolutely. hear that. There is no blame yes. here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mm-hmm. just opportunities to learn the skills to be self-empowered and to self-heal. Mm-hmm. If I found myself with a disease that I m- was maybe surprised that I had or something because I feel like I've, you know, let go of my trapped energy or whatever, mm-hmm. I definitely would would work towards not having any sort of like shame or it's my fault or whatever. Yeah. But what can I do next? I think really for me, what feels good about believing in this way is that now I have the power to change yep. it. You know, I get to heal myself. I don't have to rely on other things or people or medication that it's going to, you know, my best friend died from cancer Mm -hmm. and I watched chemo destroy her body and destroy her. Two of my best friends actually, but my very best friend, like my sister style best Mm -hmm. friend. It was awful. And I'm not saying that chemo hasn't saved so many lives. I'm not saying that at all. But man, if I could get in there and, and really also be healing myself yep. as well if there was some sort of disease. Yep. You know, was it Katie's fault that she had cancer? No. no. Was it Jill's fault that she no. Oh, I'm so I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's a really, a really important piece to yeah. it. I just love the idea that I I can fix it. Yeah. Are you familiar with Joe Dispenza? 
I'm not. Okay. Mm-mm. So this is another thing people need to get on and look up. And on YouTube, you could search Joe Dispenza and find thousands of podcasts and guided meditations. So his, let me just give you a little view of his story because it is so, he sure. is so important with what we're talking about. So 25 years ago, this guy's a chiropractor. He's a clinical hypnotherapist. He's a very serious martial artist and an athlete, and he's in a triathlon, and during the bicycle portion, this woman in an SUV runs him over and just drags him, and the surgeons say, your back is so messed up, you're going to have to have a Harrington rod placed, you know, along your spine, and he said, no, as a chiropractor, no, I'm not Mm going to do anything that's going to prevent my spine from moving, that will destroy the rest of my life, so he laid there on his bed, face down, and in 10 weeks, he was healed by doing his own guided meditation work. So for the past 25 years, Joe Dispenza has been studying with pretty phenomenal scientists, and he creates, you can go to his events. Now, if you're not online in 10 to 15 minutes after one of his events opens up for purchase, you won't get a go. And there's like 2,500 people <laughs> at each event. So he does these week-long intensive meditation trainings. And for the past five years, they've had so many what they call spontaneous healings. But we're talking about things like people getting up out of wheelchairs, who've been in those wheelchairs for decades and not just walking, but running down a beach. People who like lose cancers, they're gone, Uh, all kinds of conditions. And he requires medical verification. And if if something happens to somebody while they're at an event, he's going to have a medical team. Okay. So it's not like some of those old videos we've seen where, you know, it's like, and she's better. No, not at all. You know, okay. (laughs) In fact, some of the people uh, that Nick and Tiff Dogris who make our, some of our brainwave equipment, they were on his team for a while doing brainwave research at these events. Uh, There's a scientist heading up NASA's studies. Um, We have identical twin astronauts. So they're studying epigenetics with these guys. The lead scientist on that project is doing Dispenza's medical research. And they so they take blood and they take urine and they take saliva at these events and they see profound changes in biochemistry from people just doing these intensive meditations. And mm-hmm. what he says is, is panning out that when we learn how to create this emotional environment in our being, right? When we learn how to detach ourselves from the addiction to the hormones of stress that our culture has created, right? You just, yes, yes. Then we can create this elevated mm -hmm. emotion. And when we learn how to focus with an elevated emotion, we literally change our bodies. We can heal anything. Like we are, we were meant to be creators. That's who we are. But we have fallen under a mass hypnotism that has enabled us to be dependent on these systems that are economically geared to keep us dependent upon them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to get all into mm-hmm. conspiracy theory and stuff, but that I don't think anybody's at the helm of that, like an evil little scientist. <laughs> but I think we've just <laughs> right. created these systems that have gotten out of control and they've taken on a life of their own. And we now need to step back and realize we aren't supposed to be serving these systems. They're supposed to be serving us and they're not. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that if if my like blood, urine, all of that was collected pr- prior to me doing all of this self value work, it would look 
profoundly different now. Yeah. I truly do believe that. Yeah. Something you just said, though, that is, is something I wanted to bring up to you. And I wasn't, I was struggling to find the words around it. Like I almost said waiting for the ball to drop or I'm always waiting for the next like, and I, I couldn't quite like put it into words how, how I wanted to ask you this. And then you just said it. You said the addiction to the feeling of stress. Leanne, this is something that I am constantly battling and I've gotten a million times better. But there are times where it is just like I'm living in a heightened, what is, Mm. and it's not even like I want to say what is bad is going to happen because I don't anticipate bad things happening. So it's not like I'm anxious, Mm -hmm. but it, I I feel like you just nailed it. This kind of addiction to that stress feeling. And I know other people listening know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. Like, it's just this weird thing that's there. And I catch myself like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you have the most amazing life. Like, Leanne, I have a really kick-ass awesome life. What keeps us, and I can't say that I've always had that. Childhood was not easy for me. Lots of trauma. I mean, just, you know. Yeah. And it's what keeps us. Yeah. Even if things are going well in that state of stress, mm-hmm. why do you think that is? Well, our thinking brains, which we have overworked in our culture, we've overemphasized their importance in our culture, but our thinking left, you know, linear brain, um, those it's evolutionarily geared towards survival. You know, so there there are good reasons for that brain looking for what could go wrong so that we're prepared. But but we don't have the same kind of environment we did, you know, when we lived in the wild where, you know, if an animal came running after us, we Mm -hmm. could run and then come back to rest. Now we're in this environment where where we have stressors that human beings were not meant to live with. We weren't meant to live in a society where we're not known and where the people around us are in this rat race where the mentality is there's not enough for all of us. You know, we weren't meant to live like that. We were meant to live in nurturing environments and where we understand the truth in the the truth, the God honest truth is we have everything that we need for everyone on the planet to have a good life. But because Mm -hmm. we've created this false economic system, we have this war going on, you know, with, you know, I've got billions of dollars that's more than any human should need versus I'm over here in poverty and don't know how I'm going to even, you know, if I could even pay for my rent or food. Mm-hmm. And so we're living mm-hmm. in this, in this, in a cultures that we've created that are, they're not conducive to human thriving, you know, and now we have these systems like marketing that literally study psychology to make people afraid so they'll buy more. Um, So we're in a really screwed up environment and we've really got to step back and say, how do we recreate our culture for a thriving humanity? Yeah. Now that's a big, you know, that's a tall order (laughs) to recreate our entire culture, Leanne. So like, (laughs) what what could I do in my, you know, in my moments? You do what you're doing, you do what you're already doing and you do what we were talking about. If every human being on the planet started to do whatever they could to take responsibility for their emotional life, to understand that 
things and events don't make me feel the way I feel. I have some work to do to understand how I'm reacting and grow and improve and optimize my responsiveness to life, right? Mm -hmm. So we can start Mm -hmm. in preschool and just train kids with breathing and yoga, how to be connected to their body, how to learn to be emotionally calm, even in the face of things not going our way, right? Mm -hmm. But if every human being on the planet had the opportunity and the support to do this work as slowly as they need to do and in the ways that they need to do it, because everyone is unique about how they come about the work, right? Then we could impact everyone. But there's no system that's going to be changed from a high level without individual people doing their personal work. Definitely. Definitely. And that's definitely a great place to start. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. And with our children, too. I mean, some of the things that I'm implementing currently, I do with my children, my husband. Good. And um, yeah. Now, I want to go back to some of the other kind of you know, the physical things. Like I, I noticed that you've talked about on your website, the flotation rest. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with this, but when we were at um, actually Sue's bachelorette party in New York, we went to this awesome spa. And while we were waiting to get our massages and everything, they had these uh, like baths. Some were really hot, some were really cold. And there was one where it was a saltwater floating pool kind of thing. I got in and was floating. And I mean, when it was time, we had an hour just to kind of play in the baths and, you know, before a massage, they were like calling my name for the massage. I don't, I laid in that floated in that saltwater pool tank, whatever it was for a straight hour. And it was absolutely magical. I remember thinking like, do I have to get my massage? I would rather float here longer. Yeah. Like what? It, what is it, and what is it a, about it yeah. that? Uh, I'm glad you yeah, had such us. a good experience. A lot of people do. Some people don't. Again, everything is highly individualized. Mm, so good point. Yeah. The, the the float tank, you know, it used to be called sensory deprivation therapy, and that's not a fun phrase. So we don't no, really use that it. That sounds anymore. horrible. <laughs> but the theory is that when you get in that salt water. And it's like a little bit warmer than body temperature. And there's so much Epsom salt in it that you're floating that you begin, you know, there's no pressure points. Like when you're laying on a bed, you start Mm -hmm. to lose sensation in terms of your brain and your nervous system aren't having to process so much environmental stimulation coming at you. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So that's the sensory and, uh, deprivation. Yes. We're it, minimizing mm-hmm. the work that your brain and nervous system have to do to process light, sound, touch, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the theory is, is that when we minimize all of that requirement on the system, now all that energy can be turned in for healing and reparation. Okay. I love yeah. this. Is that, is that, would you say kind of similar to meditation where you're sitting quietly and yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So this is very individualized because meditation is something I know people say like, I can't meditate. Like I have really struggled with this and I have an ADHD brain. I get overstimulated very easily. And sorry, I don't mean to keep talking about myself. (laughs) When, um, (laughs) 
So when when my it's interesting because when my husband needs to kind of just you know recharge, he rides BMX, he builds dirt jumps in the woods, he plays in the dirt, he flies, you know, all the things that you that that he needs for for himself and his brain. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to be alone, and I don't know that I've ever quite put my finger on why, other than. I just needed the quiet and, you know, like I've got, I've got two little kids and as much as, oh, I love them snuggling me and hugging on me and their voices and everything about them, I love. And there are also times when I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need, I need silence. I need no one to touch me. It's like my, my sensory system needs a break Yeah, and I need to, it's just like sensory overload and I, and I just need to stop. And I'm like, man, if I had a a salt. Now that I'm thinking about this, like if I had a saltwater pool or a saltwater bath, instead of me being like, Dan, take the kids for two hours, I need to sit and watch Netflix in my bedroom, our bedroom, then maybe, you know, maybe instead it's like, you know what? I just need 20 minutes in the saltwater yeah. tank to just, you know. Yeah. It, it's very efficient. The saltwater tank is very efficient because it helps your body learn to rest more deeply and it, it trains you how to get into a state of deep rest. And mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. what we want to do more intentionally is train ourselves how to change state, emotional and physiological state. And those two track, you can't separate those. Just like you can't separate physical from mental, from emotional, from spiritual. We're, we're one thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can learn how to approach our systems from different angles. So we can go through the cognition and think differently. And there's great benefit in training our brains to think differently. But a Mm -hmm. lot of times people struggle with that. And that's why talk therapy isn't necessarily fabulously successful because we are too focused on our thinking brain. So we can go in through the physiology like we do with bio and neurofeedback and retrain the nervous system and the brain's physiological habits. We can also do like somatic therapists, like with craniosacral therapy, I can help the body release pent up energy and emotion. I'm actually going to start doing some of that craniosacral work in our float tank because our float tank is big enough for two people. Um, So I'll be able to get in there with somebody and help them release things while they're floating. Wow. Um, and then there's the exercises. Anat Benil is an amazing human who studied under um, Moshe Feldenkross. And she's got a program called Neuro Movement. And that can be helpful for people with all kinds of, you know, brain-related, nervous system-related issues. She's very famous in the autism world for helping people, um, you know, work with their kiddos to help them learn how to become calm through moving of bo- moving of their bodies in particular ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It definitely seems like with, with the, the thinking brain <laughs> comes the action, like the physical action, whether it is some sort of, you know, biofeedback or neurofeedback or the things that, that you're doing or flotation or whatever, in addition to the exercise, the lifestyle. And also, you know, it seems like as well, you know, when we have these dreams and these goals and these things that we're thinking of and trying to achieve happiness and elation and all of, like we have to take action in some way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I don't think it's just in a therapeutic way, but we have to take action in in other ways to to achieve those goals. Like when I decided I was going to stop being a social worker and be a, be a photographer, the, you know, I wasn't going to learn how to take photos unless I, unless I did yeah. it, you know? So I feel like it's a combination of, you know, some sort of, you know, talk therapy or, you know, just awareness and understanding of everything that we need to do and why we're doing the things we do. Plus that physiological part, plus that taking action. Yeah. It almost seems like it's those three parts. Absolutely. That could complete the... Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've gone through um, a couple um, levels of training as a quantum human design specialist. And what's cool about that is it's another way of typing people according to their energetic type. But one of the principles in there, which is also a principle in Joe Dispenza's work, is that if you're trying to take physical action in the 3D world, before you have nurtured and prepared the emotional and energetic state that you're in, you're probably going to feel like you're fighting uphill, right? Like there's a lot of resistance mm -hmm. and things aren't going mm -hmm. so well and it's hard, right? And But if you take time to do the physiological preparation, to meditate, whatever that looks like for you. Like Joe Dispenza's meditations are like an incredible, exciting workout. It's beautiful music, amazing breath work. It's not like sitting there trying to empty your mind, which I don't mm -hmm. do well either. <laughs> so mm -hmm. when people say I don't, I'm not a good meditator, I say, well, what type of meditation are you trying? Because we need to find what fits for each person, right? For sure, for sure. But all that to say if if we aren't doing the emotional and energetic and spiritual work and we're trying to push and make changes in our 3D world, we're probably going to encounter resistance and a level of difficulty that's not really necessary if we would back up and do the emotional, energetic work first. Does that make right. sense? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that's all the stuff that I have done and that I continue to do. Yeah. It'll be interesting if I were to add on this extra and people listening to, you know, if you think about what have you started or what, you know, what's your next move, you know, out of the, all of those things, where are you stuck? Are you not taking action? Are you not doing the energetic mental work? Are you not doing the physiological work? Like what piece is missing? Yeah. Yeah. This is all very, very interesting and eye-opening and to me personally, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and you've been in this space doing your work. And, you know, what I what I like when I when people want to become clients, um, they can't just make an appointment for us. We we do a phone consultation because I want to know, one, are we a good fit? And mm -hmm. two, yeah. am I your next best step? There might be a better next step in your life than coming to see me. And, and I try to figure that out with people because, you know, I'm not about getting the sale or getting the client. I'm about what's best for you. And I feel like if we all go out in the world and when we encounter people, we have a, a really holy curiosity and are truly interested in what's best for both of us, like we could create a whole new world with just that shift. Yeah. I'm sure your your clients really appreciate that too. You know, if there if there was someone who maybe that wasn't their next 
their next step that they should be taking to work with you. I'm sure that in the future, when it is time, there's no doubt they will. Yeah. They will be coming to you. And they may not people feel after they do the next step. And that's great too. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I just want people independently healthy and independently, Mm -hmm. you know, I want people with their sovereignty intact who are making free decisions based upon what is true for them and not based upon I'm reacting to a world that's giving me fear signals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so powerful. Before I before I get to the the last questions that I ask at the end of each episode, I w- I wanted to ask you something about another blog post I read on your website. It was about habitual brain responses, and it it's I think the title of it is something about oh shoot I'm gonna I'm drawing a blank, but about going back to our five year old selves yeah. and how even as adults we have these habitual brain responses where here I am a 46 year old woman, but I may be reacting like a five year old. Mm-hmm kind of thing. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like and why, why, we, do, yeah. why we do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not stomping my feet and throwing tantrums, oh, yeah. but, but internally, the, yeah, internally, right. Yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. we all have experienced profoundly influential times in our young lives that we may not even be aware of, right? It may mm-hmm. have been something we saw that was paired with a smell or a sound that for whatever reason at that developmental time period in our life, it was profoundly influential in our brain and nervous system. And so we may be going along in our adult life and we might not even be aware of the stimulation that we're bringing in and that we're perceiving, but all of a sudden we have this feeling. It might be like a clenched gut. Or, um, or you know, spidey senses going off, <laughs> where we just we all of a sudden feel on guard, and we don't know why. Okay, that might happen, or it might be that one of our loved ones says something that that reminds us, whether consciously or not, of something that happened when we were young, and all of a sudden we get very angry, and then we look and go, wait a minute, I'm I'm kind of overreacting. Or I don't know why I'm reacting like this. Those are those moments when we want to stop and get still and think, am I reacting to what's actually going on in my life right now? Or am I reacting to something prior to this? Right? And, and usually it's pride. A lot of times <laughs> for me, is. usually it's pride. Well, okay, maybe maybe I am valid for feeling the way that I'm feeling in the moment, yeah. but the reaction that I'm giving or the way that I've taken it personally based on childhood experiences, yeah. that is, yeah, that's a conversation my husband and I have had multiple times where I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm trying to evoke a response from you. I need more connection from you right now, Beautiful. which is why I'm acting that way. And he's like, all right, let's do it. That's let's beautiful. Connect. You know, it's, it's, yeah. yeah so. That's beautiful. And that's, you know, we all have that going on and, um, and we can choose to enter into those places of discomfort and explore them with curiosity and acceptance and then learn and grow from those. There's a great therapeutic modality called internal family systems where you, tend and befriend those parts of yourself that may have gotten kind of stuck 
in an event that you weren't quite ready to have processed when you were younger. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a beautiful therapy that's honoring and um, empowering that helps us kind of overcome. I I don't even want to use the word overcome. It helps those parts of ourselves grow and mature Mm -hmm. and and become more um, self-empowered. I love it. So many great things you've given me to check out. This is awesome. Yeah, I appreciate all of your knowledge and wisdom. And yeah, this has been really, really great. I have so much exciting information to discover, I feel like, through all of this. It's such an exciting time right now. (laughs) It is. You you just got to tune into the right people and stay off the news and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, Mm -hmm. get on better news. Yeah, we are not news watchers yeah, over here. We aren't either. No. No. All right. Well, I have some questions to ask that I always ask at the end of each episode. Okay. And the first one is, what would you tell people who are just starting out on this whole self-value healing journey? Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing that I would say is find a coach or a counselor or someone that you – or a mentor – It doesn't have to be a professional, but find someone in your life who is a good question asker, who helps you feel nurtured and loved, who you know really has your best interest at heart, and spend some time with them asking them to, you know, really ask you questions and help you kind of think through Mm-hmm. How what do you how do you want your life to feel? How do you want mm-hmm. your day-to-day experience to be? And if you're not feeling mm-hmm. that way, what are some things that you might be able to do? Again, I always operate under the assumption that every individual is unique. Yeah. And so you really yeah. want to surround yourself with some of these people in your life who can help you explore yourself. A lot of us don't do that exploration super well with just ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need other people. That's true. Yeah. I've always thought that, and maybe this is just my background as a therapist, that a really good, whether it's a therapist, a mentor, you know, anyone who you are trying to elicit answers from will ask you the right questions and guide you in a way that you come to those conclusions on your own, yeah. but they're just giving you the tools to get there. Like, for example, I have this, this accountant and C- CPA who I was trying to make some decisions on some real estate that I, that I own, whether or not I was going to, uh, cause I do real estate, commercial real estate investing as well. So I was trying to make some decisions and I wanted him to just tell me what to do. And he was not about to do that. Yeah. He like asked me the right questions to guide me. And I feel like that is the best kind of coach yes. you can find. Absolutely. If someone's like, you need to do this and this and that, you know, okay. And there's a difference between giving advice and and sharing like strategies and things versus you need to break up with your husband. Yeah. You know, or you need to sell that property or whatever that is. You know, there's just such a difference there. So I just encourage people to make sure you're feeling guided. Right. And And not told what to do. Yeah. 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 Agree. All right. Um, okay. Number two is what do you do, Leanne, if you're starting to feel a little off track with things just in your own energy or physical well-being or whatever that might be? What do you do to get back on track? Yeah. Um, 
I do a lot of things. Um, Novembers are hard for me. I was born in a home for unwed mothers, given up for adoption. And then my birth mother died two days before my birthday in November. And just so there's so many things. So November's as much work as I've done in all my life. November's can be challenging for me. And this year was no different. I turned 60 this year and I'm happy to turn 60. I feel younger mm-hmm. every year, but November's are hard. So every year is different what I do to get back on track during that tough spot. But, you know, the Joe Dispenza meditations are a beautiful experience for me. Um, and so I really would encourage people to find a way of meditating that suits you, that's enjoyable Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want people, in my world, a lifestyle change that is not enjoyable. Now, you might have to work into the enjoyment phase, right? But a lifestyle change that's not enjoyable isn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. And and a lifestyle change that you've made in the past may need to be tweaked or completely changed. So, I I guess what I would say is when I get off track, I kind of check in with myself. And, and that's a learning process too. And I, and I kind of try to think and feel what is going to feel nourishing to me and what is going to feel like it's not just helping me check out of feeling wonky, but is actually going to help me go in deeper into this feeling and explore why I'm feeling this way. Because those difficult feelings are messengers And we don't need to cover them over and anesthetize them. You know, we need to go into them with curiosity and trust that our our body and our being is telling us something that it's time to shift and change and grow. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Next question is a little bit lighter of a question (laughs) is what is your... Most recent, like favorite product could be a recipe, could a book, could be anything. Oh my goodness! Um, I do enjoy like some shows, some TV shows, mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. you know everybody in the world probably knows of this one, but Ted Lasso has been yeah. so <laughs> fun to watch, especially as a psychologist. You know the mm-hmm. daddy issues. But to me, the other thing that I love about it is, to me, it's like a 21st century Andy Griffith with a lot of questions. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, that, it's a good one. Yeah, that eternal optimism and the willingness that Ted Lasso had to work through his stuff mm-hmm. and to go through the pain onto the other side to growth and thriving and to help other people. Like, what a great show for this era, you know, where he know, really was willing to nurture, to see the beauty in every person and realize if they were acting out, it was out of pain mm-hmm. that needed to be healed. And I, I think that's just a message for our times because we have so many people acting out of trauma right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. And when I think about my children too, they're acting out of, when they're acting out, it's, you know, it's pain. And they're still obviously learning coping mecha- coping mechanisms and, you know, how to appropriately respond to that pain yeah. and the feelings. But yeah, I think it's important for us to really have some compassion and understand that about people. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I love that you said Ted Lasso. That's great. All 
All right. And last question, where can we find you online, Leanne? Yeah, so we have a website at neurosource.net. And we've, we're on Facebook. I'm terrible with Instagrams. We're on there. I don't know what's <laughs> going on on there. <laughs> um, it's a lot. Social media is a lot yeah. to manage. We do do some things, distance work. Um, I do some coaching with uh, human design, epigenetic coaching. I honestly prefer to get my hands on people. Um, yeah. But I do do some consultations with people. Um, who are interested in exploring, you know, distance work. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you being here. Hopefully we'll get to meet in person one day. And um, Thank you, Nikki, yeah, for doing and, this. Until such then. an important, you're, you're just, these are such important topics in these times. So thanks for doing your part yeah, to heal yeah. the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you, Leanne. Until then, I will, till we meet in person one day. I'll see you online. Okay.